Welcome to another edition of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, the award-winning show covering fishing, hunting, conservation, destinations, and other outdoors recreation across the greater Northwest. Northwestern Outdoors is brought to you by Max Lur, Sportsman's Warehouse, Sina Sea Seafood, and Wallowa County Chamber of Commerce in the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program. And now, let's see what's happening this week with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show. I don't know about you, but I'm getting excited because, as you know, as a listener of this show, I love tournament bass fishing. Not particularly good at it. I'm definitely an avid angler with intermediate skills at best, but I just love the whole competition angle of fishing. When you get out there on the lake and you're trying to either bring in a big bag of five fish or maybe just a big bass at a big bass tournament that's heavier than anybody else's. Either way, the week ahead promises to be a fun one. I'm fishing not one, but two tournaments. The first one, Thursday and Friday at Potholes Reservoir and Mardon Resort in eastern Washington. That is the Limit Out Marine Pro-Am. I'll be fishing as an amateur angler, hoping to learn some stuff from some of the pros that'll be there, which includes Luke Clausen, the former Bassmaster Classic champion. And then, right after that, my best friend Rusty Johnson and I, we will be fishing a big bass tournament on Saturday and Sunday, also put on by Limit Out Marine, hoping that we can find a bass over five pounds and maybe win an hourly prize and, with any luck, catch the biggest bass of all for the tournament, which would net us a $10,000 paycheck. Wish us luck. We haven't cashed a check yet, but maybe, just maybe, we will in the week ahead. This week on the show, we've got some great guests for you. We're going to start off with Eric Winther with the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife, who's going to tell you about some new things going on this year with the Pike Minnow Program. That is the program where you catch fish out of the Columbia River up to Priest Rapids Dam and the Snake River up towards Clarkston and Lewiston. Turn them in, and you get money for those fish. Program kicks off May 1st. It runs through September 30th, and you can make some good money if you decide you want to do this in a serious manner. Right after that, Bob Loomis joins us for another extended Max Minute, once again giving you some advice on what to use to get some of those spring Chinook in the boat in the weeks ahead. Following that, we'll head to Northeast Montana and we'll talk to Carla Hunsley. She's the executive director for Montana's Missouri River Country, and she's got some great ideas about things you can do this spring. Everything from watching sharp-tailed grouse on their leks do their mating rituals to enjoying the unpolluted night skies that you'll find in this remote part of the country. And we'll even get a fishing report from Fort Peck Reservoir, too. And then we'll head from Big Sky Country to... Hood Canal on Puget Sound, that's where you ought to go if you want to harvest some oysters. And Mark Uasa with the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife will tell you all about that. One other thing I want to tell you about is a GoFundMe fundraiser we are doing for a friend of mine. Her name is Rhonda Edwards. She is battling cancer, and she really could use your help. So we'll talk more about that during the show, but you can go to our Northwestern Outdoors Radio Facebook page right now and find out more about this fundraiser, and hopefully you can kick in a few bucks to help her out. Before we get into all this, though, let's see what David Sparks has for us this week on Sportsman Spotlight. Fish sampling techniques, a look into the world of electrofishing. David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. Ever wonder how biologists are able to catch and sample so many fish? Well, they cheat. Biologists commonly use electrofishing methods to stun fish so that they can be easily caught. 
I don't know about you, but I need clarification. So here's Fish and Game official Roger Phillips. We do a lot of research and surveys on fish, and the little buggers like to hide from us. So it's hard to count fish when they're hiding from you. So this is one of many methods that we use electrofishing. It stuns them. It doesn't hurt them. They usually, we got people netting in there in the river, and they get anything from the fingerlings up to the big ones, and then they can measure how many fish are in a certain section of a river or stream, how big they are, what kind they are, things like that. So it's a really effective way to go in and, and take a snapshot of what's happening in a stream at any given time. Do they put a couple of electrodes in the water? Exactly. It's an electrical current. And, you know, we have portable generators that can go on a backpack or on a boat or something like that. They can obviously adjust the voltage so that they get just the right amount where they're not trying to hurt fish. So they're just trying to get an idea of what's in there. Frankly, the brilliance of fishing game officials is quite shocking. It's been popping up in orchards and vineyards all over. Any origin theory scholars? Oh, hey, yeah, it's Sevia fungicide from BASF, a category leader in disease control. How do you explain these healthy crops? Well, longer-lasting residual. Plus, it's built for current regulatory standards and prepared for what's to come, which improves crop marketing flexibility, so... A fungicide that is out of this world? I knew it. Sevia fungicide from BASF. Or is it... Always read and follow link directions. Get the power you need for your farm equipment. The power of peace of mind that dependable Senex lubricants deliver. With decades of proven off-road performance, backed by the industry-leading Senex Total Protection Plan warranty, Senex heavy-duty diesel engine oils, hydraulic fluids, gear lubricants, and greases are formulated to provide superior protection for load-bearing equipment. The power you need to keep your business running like a well-oiled machine. Contact your local distributor today for Senex lubricants. Dependability powered locally. David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter, full of the gear you need to succeed this hunting season. Firearms, ammo, archery equipment, decoys, clothing, boots, and more. You'll find it all at Sportsman's Warehouse. Better still, the knowledgeable staff can help you with tips to help you bag a trophy or a limit. Find a location near you or shop online today at sportsmans.com. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. It is the end of April. That means the 1st of May is just about here, and that means that pike minnow season is going to kick off on both the Columbia and portions of the Snake River, where you have the opportunity to help conserve our salmon and steelhead stocks and make some money in the process. With us here to tell you more is Eric Winther with the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. He's the project manager for this program. Eric, great to have you back on the air. Hey, John, good to be here as always. Another year. Another year indeed. But, you know, during COVID, we had a couple of down years. Number one, angler participation was down. Number two, you know, the river levels were kind of fluctuating in weird ways. But last year, I would say things came back and it was a much more of a normal year, wasn't it? It was. We had uh, really had some great fishing. Our CPUE was the highest it's ever been. It, it's been kind of in that seven to eight fish per angler. You know, for the average, and geez, it doubled, just about doubled that for uh, 2022. Uh, so the fish were there, and our regulars did really well. It's just uh, a matter of getting folks out. I think maybe those two bad years, everybody thought pike minnow was, was kind of winding down, but nope, there's ebbs and flows. 
not only that, but anglers got a raise last year too that they'll be able to take advantage of this year. Why don't you go ahead and explain what the pay scale was before and what it is now? Yeah, so it used to be $5 for the first 25, went to $6 for number 26 through 200, and then $8 uh, for everything above 200. But as of last year, 2022, the base went up to $6 for the first 25. And once you get that, you jump up to $8 until you get to number 200. And then it's up all the way up to $10 per fish for everything over 200. And that's a cumulative total. So it doesn't matter if it takes you a week or three weeks or a month to get up to that next level. It kicks in automatically. So how much did the big money maker make last year? Just under $69,000. Not bad. Not bad for five months of fishing. Again, folks, this program is open from May 1st until September 30th. And again, it's your opportunity to go fishing and make some money. And in addition to the fish, you know, that you turn in at the check stations, you also have the opportunity to catch tagged fish. What do those tags look like and what are those fish worth? Well, there's a couple different tags that we put in these fish. Basically, we use the tags as, as part of our biological evaluation of the program. Uh, remember that pikemen are our native species. We're not trying to eradicate them. We're just trying to crop down their numbers by 10 to 20 percent. So to do that, we tag a bunch of the fish, and based on the recoveries, we can make an estimate what portion we have. So the types of tags we have is, is an external tag that's behind the dorsal fin. It's called a floy tag or a spaghetti tag, kind of a little piece of plastic that's sticking out from the top of the fish. Uh, if you look close, it'll have a ODFW number on it, an address, that sort of thing. And if you catch one of those while you're registered for the program, leave the tag in, bring it to us. That's worth $500. Makes for a really, really good day. Oh, yeah. The other type of tag was the uh, what they call a, a pit tag and so that is one that goes under the skin and so oftentimes we we double tag these fish because those external ones fall out so the internal tag we scan all these fish and if if your fish has one of those but not the external tag it's worth 200 bucks so that makes for a pretty good day too Oh, I agree completely. All right. Well, this sounds like a ton of fun. Now, I know the way it works, because I've done this a couple times before, is before you go fishing, you have to check in at one of the check stations that are scattered all along the Columbia River and portions of the Snake River, too. But this year, you're making it a little easier. You don't have to physically go to those check stations in advance because there's a new app out where you can do it. That's true. That's uh, really excited about that. We have a smartphone app for this year for anglers, and you'll be able to use that to register rather than going to the station and using the old piece of paper and dropping it in the box, that sort of thing. Of course, you can still do it that too, but with this phone app registration, you could actually register when you jump in the truck or when you launch your boat, and you don't have to swing by the station to sign up. So should be more time fishing and less time driving, I'm thinking. Oh, I absolutely love this. And you're right. It does save a lot of time, though there are some advantages to checking in beforehand physically because those fish checkers, they'll tell you where the bite is hot and where it's not. So you might save some time and some energy by still doing the physical check-in. But if you already know where you're going, having that app and being able to register that way, that is definitely stress and hassle-free. So in the month of May, I know that these fish are migratory. Where are the hot spots on the Colombian Snake Rivers during the month of May? 
Well, there's a couple spots that are traditionally pretty good right at the start of the program on May 1st. So the area right below the Dalles Dam all the way down to the mouth of the Klickitat is probably our best bet for good fishing right off the bat in May. The other spot is over on the east side in the Tri-Cities where the mouth of the Yakima River comes into the Columbia right there by uh, Columbia Point Park. And that's also another early season hot spot. A lot of the other stations, it just really depends on how the runoff goes and, and the water temperature and so on. But the Dalles and that mouth of the Yakima are pretty consistent as far as your best bet for getting into some fish early. You know, I was on a Facebook forum this week and somebody had reeled in a fish at the mouth of the Yakima. They didn't know what it was. And it was a pike minnow and it was a big one. It was like 24 inches. And I have caught some really big pike minnow before. That might be about the biggest I've seen. I guess it's important we do note something here. There is a minimum size for the pike minnow when you turn them in, isn't there? That's true, yes. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's a native fish. We're not trying to eradicate it. So what we're trying to do is get the bigger pike minnow. So fish nine inches or bigger are worth the reward. So that's any pike minnow that's nine inches or bigger from the tip of the tail to the tip of the snout is worth the reward. Now, there's always a chance you could get a tag fish that might be under nine inches. That That's still worth the tag reward. So don't throw it back. Bring it in. But the untagged fish, nine inches or, or uh, bigger is the minimum. All right. That's good to know. And thanks for clarifying that about the tag fish. I was unaware of that. Okay. So I guess the last question is this, you know, how would you recommend folks go about catching them during the month of May, both from a boat and from the bank? Well, your best bet, most of our anglers are, are boat fishermen, and that's just because pikemen are traditionally hard to find, and so you can cover more area. Now, if you are bank only, your best bet traditionally is up close to the dams, although this time of year there's going to be a lot of water, so you may not want to be quite as close, maybe half a mile or, or so downstream. You're looking for some kind of uh, current break, some boulders, a point, seam, something like that. Pikemen are, are ambush fish. They're looking for smolts that are coming down the river right now, and they typically hug the shorelines. So that, that's what I would do from shore. Boat-wise, I'd, I'd probably go to one of those uh, two spots that I mentioned, the Dalles, or up there in uh, Tri-Cities, and I would be bait fishing with a uh, you know a little dropper and a slider, and I'd, I'd use uh, chicken liver or uh, fresh salmon eggs, something like that. It's a little early for the Mormon crickets, but, but here in uh, another month or so, those will be available. So that'd be another good bait on on the east side there but that's what i would do and night crawlers you can yeah i mean night crawlers is a good bait and, and i tell people all the time realistically you want to have three or four bait options when you go because sometimes the fish like the night crawlers sometimes it's better to have chicken liver the trouble with night crawlers is that everything likes them so if you're catching other fish you're not catching pike minnow and so sometimes it's better to switch over to a bait that's more pike minnow specific like chicken liver Yes, and, and you're right about the night crawlers and about where pikemen are found. Those same current breaks and those rocks and the points. Well, it just so happens smallmouth bass happen to like those locations too. So good point about the night crawlers. You're probably going to catch as many smallies as you are uh, pike minnow. But in the meantime, if you want to go fishing, have some fun, make some money, you can start doing so May 1st. The website to go to is pikeminnow.org. That's pikeminnow.org. And look for the app on your smartphone and download it and, and save some time and some hassle in terms of the pre-registration before you go fishing. Eric, looking forward to checking in with you as the season progresses. Awesome, John. I look forward to it as well. Thank you.
Enjoy a meal of wild Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door. Sina Sea offers premium quality wild Alaskan fish and shellfish to include Copper River King and Silver Salmon, Halibut, Black Cod, King Crab, and of course, Copper River Sockeye Salmon. Order it blast frozen or smoked and experience a slice of Alaska for a special meal you won't forget. Buy your seafood now at SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com. Natural wonders, beaches and coves, majestic forests and scenic vistas are waiting for you at the Tillamook Coast. Lace up your hiking boots, grab your camera and come to Northwest Oregon. Find out more at TillamookCoast.com. with more of the great outdoors on Northwestern Outdoors Radio with John Cruz. It's that time again. Fish on! It's not only time for another Max Minute, but it's also that time of year to think about spring Chinook fishing. And with us here to tell you about a lure made by Max Lure Company for just that purpose is Bob Loomis. Bob, great to have you back on the air. Thanks, John. So, Bob, a lot of folks are targeting spring Chinook. There's not nearly as many of them swimming around the Columbia Willamette Rivers this year. What do you think folks ought to be using if they want their best chance for success? Well, most everybody's going to be using your cut plug herring. That's uh, something that's kind of a mainstay. And one of the products that we actually have is a smile blade herring rig. Basically, it's a two-hook setup. The top hook is movable, so you can move it to the size of the herring that you're going to be using. And the smile blade that's on there, which adds not only your extra flash and movement, I can move that smile blade up away from the cut plug so it doesn't deter from the spin on the bait. Better still, you can fish this behind your new Max Scent Flash, that triangle flasher that actually emits scent. So fish that herring naked because the scent flash is going to be emitting all the scent that you need in a wonderful scent trail in and around that herring. And with that big smile blade on the herring rig, you are going to be in business, a lot more business than the anglers around you. Again, it is the Smile Blade Herring Rig. It's from Max Lure Company. Fish it behind a scent flash for your best chance for success when it comes to spring Chinook. Thanks as always, Bob. Thank you, John. Game changing. That's the best way to describe the new Scent Flash UV Triangle Flasher from Max Lure Company. This 360 degree rotational inline flasher features a scent release system attracting salmon to the lure behind it like no other flasher on the market. Soak the free scent pad with any type of oil or gel, or load up the cavity with any type of bait for fishing success beyond your wildest dreams. It's the Scent Flash UV Triangle Flasher, only from Max Lure Company. Want to go fishing and make money? You are in luck. This year's Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery kicks off May 1st. Just register at a check station and go fishing for 9-inch or longer northern pike minnow within designated waters of the Columbia or Snake River. Then you bring your fish back and collect a voucher good for a cash reward. The more fish you catch, the more they're worth. Catch a pike minnow with a special tag and you've landed 500 bucks. Find out more at pikeminnow.org. That's pikeminnow.org. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter with the gear you need for fishing, hunting, camping, paddling, cooking, and just about anything else you can do in the woods or in the water. With over 125 stores across America, there is bound to be a Sportsman's Warehouse near you with not only the gear you need, but also the experts to help you get the most out of the product you purchase. Head down to your local Sportsman's Warehouse today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. That's sportsmans.com. 
A sharp blade makes short work of any project you have in the outdoors, in the kitchen, or in the shop. Hone your knives and tools with quality power and manual sharpeners from WorkSharp. Find out more at WorkSharpTools.com. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. Our next stop is Eastern Montana. Actually, they call it Montana's Missouri River Country. We've got the executive director of that agency on the line, Carla Hunsley. Carla, great to have you back on the air. Yeah, thanks for having me, John. So you put out a a little newsletter recently, and it had some really interesting things to do this time of year in Montana. And I thought we would start off with actually dancing sharp-tailed grouse. Now, just a week ago, we talked to Brianna Ball with Wyoming Game and Fish about the dancing and mating rituals of the sage grouse. But up in northeast Montana, you got sharp-tailed grouse that are doing the same thing on Lex, don't you? Yes, we do. Yeah, they're really exciting to watch and listen to. And the main place where we like to go is Medicine Lake National Wildlife Refuge. They have a little blind set up. Actually, this year they don't because we had lots of wind last fall and they got blown down. But what you do is you go sit in these little blinds. You get up there early, like 5 o'clock in the morning, and then you sit there and you're really quiet. And those those birds come out and they dance. They patter their little feet and flap their wings. And it's just the most awesomest thing you've ever heard. If you like the outdoors, that's I recommend um, doing that. They will have the blind up next year, so might not work this year, but plan for next year. And another thing about it, John, I have to tell you, so I've done it before, and you sit in these little blinds, and if you accidentally make a little noise, then they stop. Everything gets quiet. Oh. And you sit there for a while, and then all of a sudden it starts up again. Their feet are, are pattering, and their wings are flapping. It's, it's their mating season, and it's about this time of year that they do it. So real cool. Yeah. How accessible are the leks right now? I know it's been a hard winter, at least in Wyoming and eastern Idaho. I'd imagine it wasn't that great for you in northeast Montana either. No, and you know, we've had some flooding, but I think Medicine Lake, I think that was actually, we've had some dry years, so that was dry. I haven't been up to that area, so I think that part is okay. It's just the fact that we've had lots of wind and the blind blew down. But I think they're still, you know, out in their leaks, you can probably still see them. And that's, I know, something that some people do is they'll just watch them from their vehicle. These blinds, are they blinds you have to walk to, or are they right by a road so you could basically be in a vehicle and watch the, the grouse? You could be in your vehicle, but if, if you walk, you're, you're on the road, and it's just a, oh, just a little bit ways in, you can walk into that blind, and I recommend that because you can sit in there, and you just peek out the blind, and, and there they are, you know, and, it, and you just get so much more experience with it just being there. But yeah, like I said, this year um, they don't have the blinds, so you can sit in your vehicle and watch them, and, you know, if you're quiet, you can probably hear them too. That would work, too. All right. So plan on next year for, again, Medicine Lake National Wildlife Refuge. If you want to go out this year and you're wondering about the conditions, just contact the folks at the refuge. They'll let you know how accessible things are. But that does sound like a lot of fun to watch those sharp-tailed grouts dance during their mating season. Let's talk about something else, something very unique that you have in your part of the Montana, Montana's Trail to the Stars. Tell our listeners about this. Okay, well, so several years ago, I had a travel writer up in my area, and he says, you know, you should market your stars, your skies. And, you know, 
I've lived here all my life. I take our skies for granted. When I was little, I remember we'd look for the Big Dipper, the Small Dipper, and so you just took it for granted. But we don't realize that there's people out there that don't get to see the stars, get to see the Milky Way. So I sat on it for a while, and, you know, then I got to thinking about it and said, you know what, maybe that is a good idea. So then we decided, you know, let's start marketing our skies because Montana is, you know, is, is known for big sky country. And so we do have the big skies and dark skies. So it started with, you know, starting to get moving on it and I wanted to designate one of our state parks as a dark sky park and and so we're still working on that part but we did get um, Montana Trail to the Stars established. It was a grant that we received from the Office of Tourism and the Montana Office of Tourism and it was a partnership with some of the other regions in Montana and so we put this together and we have a website it's montanatrailtothestars.com And if you go on it, there's like over 45 locations. But, you know, even if you don't go to one of those locations, if you're in northeast Montana, you look up, you're going to see dark skies. So, yeah, it's just a fabulous thing. And like I said, we take it for granted over here. But there's many people that don't get to see the skies like we do. Well, no, it's true. I mean, especially folks in urban areas like Seattle and Portland or even Spokane, you don't realize what you're missing until you go to some of these remote areas where you don't have the light pollution. It makes all the difference in the world in making the night skies, in my mind, come alive. It's just absolutely amazing when you're in a remote place, far away from the city lights, how much you can see. And I'm actually on that website right now, trailtothestars.com. It's trailtothestars.com. And it literally has a starred location for every place you can check out. And there's a whole bunch of them, not just in northeast Montana, but eastern Montana, central Montana, too, where you can just do some stargazing, really take it all in. The Milky Way and so much more. It sounds absolutely fabulous. And I'm guessing this has probably been somewhat successful. You probably have garnered some tourism out of this, haven't you? Yeah, well, you know, we just got it developed last year about this time. We started working on it. So it's kind of new, but we're hoping this summer is it's going to really take off and we're going to start seeing more travel to see our stars. Yeah, and who knows? You might even see a Chinese weather balloon or something while you're at it, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just look up. Northeast Montana, just look up and you'll, yeah, you see the beautiful stars. So, yeah. All right. Well, last question. You love to fish. I love to fish. Give us a Northeast Montana fishing report. Well, you know, we've kind of had some pretty cold weather this winter. And so, actually, Fort Peck Lake is still froze over. The edges are starting to open up, which is great. Everybody's itching to get out in their boat. The ice fishing was fantastic because we had ice. It started in December, and like I said, we still have ice. Now it's not recommended to go on it. So we're just waiting for those waters to open up. But when they do open up, that's the time to get out there. You can catch some huge walleye. You know, a couple years ago, it was in May, I caught, you know, over a 10-pounder, and I have him on my wall, you know? And it's not uncommon to catch 10-plus walleyes. And early in the spring is a great time to get out there. You know, about 20 years ago, I was on a trip to the Northwest Territories to a chain of lakes and literally got there the day the ice was melting off. And it was some of the best fishing of my life for not only walleye, but also northern pike. And I know Fort Peck Reservoir has got a bunch of northern pike. I'm guessing the fishing for those is pretty good, too, when the ice comes off. It is. Yeah, totally. Yeah, huge northern pike. 
we're kind of more of a walleye fisherman, so we like mainly the walleye. But yeah, in early in the spring like this, when the ice gets off, those northern, they're pretty good too. So yeah, well, we fish for anything, you know, anything on the end of your line is always fun to catch. So yeah, we enjoy it. So I'm with you on that completely. All right, as we wrap things up, we probably better give out a website so folks can find out more about Montana's Missouri River Country and maybe get a travel guide too. Sure. Yeah. Go to uh, MissouriRiverMT.com and there's a place where you can sign up for our newsletter. Get our newsletter, which John talked about earlier today, and then sign up for a travel guide. And then we've got different brochures there too. So just visit our website at MissouriRiverMT.com. That's MissouriRiverMT.com. Make plans to visit eastern Montana. You're going to love it if you do, whether you want to go stargazing, fishing, or watch those sharp-tailed grouse dance. And don't forget the fall when you can hunt those sharp-tailed grouse and pheasant and waterfowl, too. Carla, always a pleasure to catch up with you on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Thanks, John. Appreciate you having me. Come to Oregon's Wallowa County for outdoors adventure. Hike, ride, paddle, fish, or sightsee to your heart's content. And then visit one of our wonderful towns, whether it be Joseph with its beautiful bronze statues, our county seat in Enterprise, or one of our charming small towns like Wallowa, Imnaha, or Troy, where you can eat, shop, and sleep before continuing your adventure the next day. Plan your visit now at WallowaCountyChamber.com. That's WallowaCountyChamber.com. Anglers are getting a raise this year with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program and the fish are biting. Here's how it works. First, register at a pike minnow station along the Columbia or Snake River. Next, go fishing for pike minnow and bring back all of them that measure 9 inches or longer. The fish are worth 6 8 or $10, and the more fish you catch, the more each one is worth. Keep an eye out for tagged fish, too, because those are worth 500 bucks. Go fishing, make money, and have fun. Find out more at pikeminnow.org. Next up on Northwestern Outdoors Radio, we've got Mark Uwasa on the line with the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife, who just wrote a great blog in the news release section of the website about springtime oyster harvesting. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. Glad to be here. So the premise of the blog is that right now is the best time to harvest oysters in Hood Canal and Puget Sound. Why is that? Well, I think first off, you know, early spring and the reason why it offers an excellent time for oyster gathering is, you know, the low tides switch back to daylight hours. I think that's one of the best things is you can get out there without needing a flashlight or any kind of lighting things to to find your way out onto the beaches and gather them. I think one of the other prime examples is that on many beaches, a lot of these oysters are in rich prime condition. And a lot of that is due to the colder months before the waters get warm. And once that water starts warming up, it really encourages the oysters to use a lot of energy resources to go into that spawning period. So you're finding good quality oysters in the spring. And I think those are kind of the two main factors. Plus that, you know, you're going to get out, you're going to beat the crowds. You know, summertime usually brings out the folks onto the beaches, curious people just walking around wanting to know what's going on. And so spring, I think, is your prime time. So you need a shellfish license, obviously. What is the limit on oysters? So 
the limit right now on oysters is 18 oysters, and they got to measure at least two and a half inches across the longest part of the shell. You know, and the size limit's kind of designed to help protect Olympia oysters, which generally measure less than two and a half inches. So I think that's, you know, kind of the key reason why you need to have that measurement, that minimum measurement size in place. We've got about 30 seconds for you to tell us some of the oyster beaches you would recommend people go to. (laughs) Sure, no worries. So, you know, I think one of the best places, and they're celebrating their centennial this year, is Tuano State Park, which is located just north of Union and Ed Canal. And I think the majority of your best oyster gathering places will occur in Hood Canal. Another one is Eagle Creek, um, Lilywap State Park Tidelands, which is just off Highway 101. That one is open year-round. And the one I mentioned prior to, Eagle Creek, is also open year-round for uh, oyster gathering. You know, those are some of the good ones. Triton Cove Tidelands is another good one. If you're looking for something outside of there, North Bay in Case Inlet has an enhanced oyster bed. I know it's only open through April 30th, but they have two windows of opportunity and there will be a fall opportunity there. So Mark, one more question for you here. There is a rule in place that says you have to shuck your oysters on the beach that you gather them on. And when you put them back, you're encouraged to put them back right where you found them, not high up on the beach, but right where you actually gathered them. Why is this rule in place? Sure. So there's several reasons why that shucking rule is in place. First and foremost, I think the oysters shucked on the beach help prevent the transfer of like invasive shellfish pests and diseases from one location to another. Also moving shells from beaches that are positive, and this is another aquatic invasive species, it's the Japanese oyster drill. They can inadvertently spread infection to other beaches. They're a very tiny, small predator, and they are usually hitchhikers on shells. Also, you know, these Japanese oyster drills are especially fond of juveniles, and so they become a, you know, a big nuisance to shellfish growers as well as places where we have these enhanced oyster beds. All right. And I, I guess the other reason is the fact that sometimes there are tiny little oysters on the oyster that you are shucking, and oysters grow on oysters, don't they? Correct. That is one of the other key factors for sure. All right. Well, there you go. Now you know why you got to shuck those oysters on the beach where you find them. Oh, and I guess we should cover why is it encouraged to put them back right where you got them as opposed to throwing them high tide on the beach? Well, I think, you know, the oyster beds, you want to kind of just leave them where they're at. And it's important that you want to make sure that you're not wiping out young oysters and making sure that they are on the beach where they are because that's where they grow for the next generation of harvestable oysters. And I guess I do have one more question for you. How do you like to eat your oysters? (laughs) I like them freshly shucked with a hint of Tabasco sauce and a squeeze of lemon. You can't get anything better than that, but I also um, like them deep fried in panko batter. So with some nice gaba tartar sauce, those are my two favorite ways. All right. Sounds tasty to me. If you want to find out more about gathering oysters, just go to the WDFW website, go to the news release page and check out Mark's blog on the subject. Mark, thanks for sharing this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Sticking with oysters, you can find them from time to time through our friends at Cena Sea. Their website is cenasea.com. They are sold out at the moment, but they do have that hard-to-find Bairdai snow crab. And I say hard-to-find because the population crashed this year in the Bering Sea. 
So it is not easy to find at all, but if you have a hankering for some delicious snow crab, well, Sea has got you covered. They also have salmon, halibut, sablefish, and rockfish that you can buy, all packaged in meal-sized portions and delivered right to your door. Simply go to SenaSea.com, that's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SenaSea.com, and use the promo code OUTDOORSRADIO for 10% off your entire order. The website again, SenaSea.com, for beard ice snow crab and all sorts of delicious Alaskan seafood. Heading from the salt water of Puget Sound in Washington to the border of Wyoming and Utah, the ice is about to come off of Flaming Gorge Reservoir, and when it does, you want to be fishing there. According to John Walrith, a fisheries biologist for Wyoming Game and Fish, the spring thaw brings with it opportunities for great shore fishing. In his words, early ice off is a great time for anglers to target trout from shore while the backs of bays and boat ramps are still frozen. Fish stocking trucks will begin stocking the reservoir as the ice recedes and lake trout will congregate around the boat ramps. Lake trout consume many freshly stocked sport fish during the spring and anglers probably ought to use some heavy line because trophy lake trout also cruise the shallows during this time. The number of lake trout less than 28 inches consuming newly stocked sport fish quickly diminishes angler opportunities for rainbow trout, cutthroat trout, and kokanee. So if you catch those lakers that are under 28 inches, please keep them. You are helping out the other fish when you do. And if you catch a lake trout, See if it has a tag around its dorsal fin. These tagged fish, which are smaller lake trout, are worth $50 if you report the tag to the Wyoming Game and Fish Department. Flaming Gorge Reservoir, it is Bob Loomis's favorite fishery, I think, in the entire world. And this spring, it might become your favorite fishery, too. Next up on Northwestern Outdoors Radio, I have a favor to ask. I've got a friend. Her name is Rhonda Edwards. She lives in the little town I live in, Kashmir, Washington, and she's an absolutely delightful person. She loves to fish. She loves the outdoors. She loves horses. She loves to go for drives on her Harley-Davidson motorcycle, and she is a long-time battler of cancer. She's actually been battling low-grade ovarian cancer since 2008. Unfortunately, things have taken a turn for the worse in the last couple of months, and she needs some help. Help that is beyond what can be offered here in the Northwest. She needs to go to Houston, Texas, to a facility called MD Anderson that helped her out when she was in a bad spot before. They specialize in treating the specific type of ovarian cancer that she is battling. But, as you might imagine, it's not cheap to go ahead and do this. Not only do you have to pay for the cancer treatments, but you have to pay for a place to stay and travel and all that other stuff too. So, I have set up a GoFundMe page for Rhonda Edwards. And if you go to our Facebook pages at either America Outdoors Radio or Northwestern Outdoors Radio or my personal Facebook page at John Cruz, you'll find links to this GoFundMe page or just go to the GoFundMe page, Help Rhonda Edwards Fight Cancer, and I hope you can contribute. I don't care what it is, whether it's 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, it all makes a difference. It all helps Rhonda. The money's going to go straight into her bank account so she can get the funds she needs to get down to Houston, Texas, and hopefully get this cancer under control so she can go back to living and to fishing and to riding horses and riding her Harley again. 
I hope you can help. And if you can, once more, just go to our Facebook page, Northwestern Outdoors Radio or America Outdoors Radio, or just go to the GoFundMe and look for Help Rhonda Edwards Fight Cancer and donate what you can. It's truly appreciated. Stick around. We've got more of the outdoors coming your way in just a couple of minutes right here on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. today's news, I'm cooking a brisket. Let's go to Jill at my house to see how it's going. This is your house and you brought me and the crew to check on your brisket? That's correct, Jill. How's it looking? This is a Camp Chef Woodwind Wi-Fi. You know you, you can check your cook right from your phone, right? I didn't know that was an option, Jill. Well, never mind. But before you leave, can you feed the dog? What? No, no. When we get back, why is my check engine light on? The answer may shock me. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. Did you know we actually have a sponsorship opportunity available for this show? That's right. You can be a sponsor of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, reaching thousands of listeners every week, tuning in to 69 stations in seven states. If you have a business that caters to outdoors enthusiasts, this is the platform for you, and you're going to find it's much more affordable than you think. Contact me through my website at northwesternoutdoors.com, and let's get a conversation started. That's northwesternoutdoors.com. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter and has what you need as a hunter, angler, hiker, paddler, camper, and outdoors enthusiast. They also carry an extensive assortment of firearms and ammunition you simply can't find anymore at many big box stores. On top of that, their knowledgeable staff is here to help you purchase the right gear so you can get the most out of your outdoor experience. Visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse store today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. Before we go today, we've got time for one last shot of Northwestern Outdoors Radio with your host, John Cruz. I'm glad you're back because it's time for your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week. And it comes to you from Missoula, Montana, home of a Class A semi-pro baseball team that until recently was known as the Missoula Osprey. However, they decided to change their name and they are now known as the Missoula Paddleheads. And here's your question. What animal is the paddlehead fashioned after? I'll give you a hint. It is a big animal. It has hooves, and you do see them in western Montana quite often. If you think you know the answer, you know what to do. Go to our Facebook page at Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Look for the post thread where we have the question and give us your answer there. Or go to our website at northwesternoutdoors.com and shoot us an email. Let us know. What animal is the Missoula Paddlehead fashioned after? One lucky person who guesses right will win 
well, I'd love to give you some tickets to a baseball game, but no, you're going to get a $25 gift card from America's premier outfitter, Sportsman's Warehouse. And if you are in Missoula, there is a Sportsman's Warehouse store there. And if you're wondering about the fishing, check in with the fishing manager. He has got all the scoop about where to go fishing around western Montana. And on that note, it is time to go. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I've got to get ready for not one but two bass tournaments at Potholes Reservoir this week. The first one is that big Pro-Am tournament being put on by Limit Out Marine on Thursday and Friday. Can't wait to fish as a co-angler and learn from the pros. And then Friday and Saturday, my best friend Rusty Johnson and I will be fishing the Limit Out Marine Big Bass Tournament where the angler who catches the biggest bass of the weekend gets a $10,000 paycheck. As the saying goes, even a blind squirrel can find a nut from time to time. And here's hoping my best friend Rusty Johnson and I will be those blind squirrels that find that nut this coming weekend. Wish us luck. We are going to need it. Until next time, do take care. God bless and make it a point to spend some time outdoors. Outdoors.